You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you today. We're going to talk about the NFL reaction, week seven. Give you our World Series thoughts. Uh, discussion about the NBA post-bubble. And then we have a very intriguing trading card scenario for you today. And I personally cannot wait to get to this trading card scenario. So fans, stay tuned. But first, uh, the NFL reaction, our NFL reaction for week number seven. Let me just start off with the Packers won uh, against the Houston Texans. Aaron Rodgers typically does very well uh, down in Houston. This particular game was no exception. Thought the uh, execution was relatively okay. Just another notch in the win column for the Packers. There are just some, still some concerning things that I have of the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers threw for 283 yards, four touchdowns, 283 yards. Out of that 283 yards, 196 of those yards went to Devontae Adams, who caught the ball 13 times for two touchdowns. Again, the concern that I have is we just don't necessarily have a true number two wide receiver. And I think this is just really going to cost us here in the playoffs. I believe this is fool's gold. I'm going to say again, Uh I believe this is fool's gold. I think we still need to go out and get a veteran wide receiver. Unfortunately, OBJ went down with a left knee ACL injury. Browns played the Cincinnati Bengals. I was thinking about possibly going out to get him, but that's not going to happen. And I just think that this is fool's gold. Once we get into the playoffs, depending upon who we play, they're going to lock down on Devontae Adams. They're probably going to double him. It's going to force Aaron Rodgers to go to uh, another receiver, and we're going to be back in the same situation that we were in uh, against uh, San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. I believe this is fool's gold. That's one of my reactions. How about you, Danny? To add on to the Packers item, Roby did get hurt who was their top corner in Houston. So once he went down, it was a wrap. They knew all. They knew to go to Devontae all day in that game. There was no need to go to anyone else. My Atlanta Falcons, once again, for the third time this year, we figured out a way to blow a game in the fourth quarter. This one was another unique situation where, for those of you who did not see the game, and I don't blame you if you didn't watch, the Falcons are down two with a little more than a minute left, Lions have no timeouts left, running just down their throat. And what came out today via Bleacher Report was Matt Ryan told Gurley to go down, get the first down, go down. We're going to kill the clock, more or less. Because Detroit had no timeouts. We kicked the field goal, leave the game, two and five. What happens? And Gurley's momentum, I think, got him a little bit because he was running hard. And then all of a sudden, you could just see him like, "Uh uh-oh, 
and the ball was in his left hand. If it had been in his right hand, he could have fell right before the goal line, but he barely crossed the goal line. They score. Lions come down, no time left, score a touchdown, walk out of victory. We're one and six. Another rough week for Falcons Nation. Tomorrow night we have Carolina, which we struggle with usually. So I'm not sure how this one's going to go either, man. I, I just don't know. <laughs> but we should technically be four and three sitting in second place. Nope. We're looking at the number one or number two draft pick, in <laughs> the 20, 2021 draft. So uh, that's my Falcons reaction for the week. There are a couple other items, Jason, I'll let you hit on real quick and we can talk through some other things we noticed in week seven. Yeah, I would say the other thing here I noticed, uh, play of the weekend, I would say, would be made by DK Metcalf uh, from the Seattle Seahawks and where uh, Russell Wilson threw a pick. The defender start, started to run, run it back. And this defender had to have been about 15 yards uh, ahead of DK Metcalf. And next thing you know, DK Metcalf with that 4-3-3, 40 speed, runs him down and eventually <laughs> tackles him. That was truly an effort play. A yes. point here in signaling out the 4-3-3, 40 speed <laughs> is that, yes, the Packers need some speed at the wide receiver position. This is what speed can do for you, and especially that, that's what effort can really do for you. That combination can track down basically a game-winning play. Um, that game went into overtime. That hustle play by DK Metcalf, I think it was the play of the weekend. Uh, the other thought that I have here, too, with regards to our NFL reaction is that Russell Wilson threw three interceptions uh, in that game. That game did go into overtime, and the Seattle Seahawks lost that game. Now, I'm not one to say. I'm just saying. Uh <laughs> He threw a major interception in overtime. Now, we had our discussion about Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. This is yet another point for the case to take Aaron Rodgers. So that's, those are my NFL reactions for week seven. Jason, just one thing of note. Russell Wilson only had two interceptions. If DK Metcalf's touchdown wasn't called back in overtime, so shame on the person who got that penalty to give you this little argument on Russell Wilson. <laughs> but that being said, so that really messed a lot of things up for DK Metcalf, man, because after that amazing play, seeing that real time, him walking down the cornerback, him having possibly the game winning touchdown, which would have been the icing on the cake for him. And then that got pulled back and then giving you ammunition against Russell Wilson and this Aaron Rodgers argument. <laughs> uh, one other note, man, was watching Cam Newton. Don't know if he's hurt. So for those of you who didn't see, the Patriots got spanked 33-6 to this past weekend by the 49ers. It's not just Cam, in my opinion. I think the whole team just looks out of sorts since, this, since they went through the whole COVID situation where I don't know if it was lack of practice that threw him off or what, but you know, everyone's on cam. He got benched. He threw three picks. He was bouncing balls to receivers. So you wonder, is either Cam hurt 
is he not is something happened you know with due to sickness no one knows that medically but or is it just lack of receivers that he has to throw to because watching that game the receivers weren't getting open for him either so he was forcing a lot so i'm trying to understand if it's what it is so we'll see this weekend in week eight if he bounces back i don't know what you think about cam but look man i think no matter who you have out on the field you bouncing the ball to that receiver yes screams some something's off the new england patriots has about nine players on both from both sides of the ball who are not playing or who hasn't played from the beginning of the season due to sitting out due to COVID. Yep. Uh, I don't know if that start is starting to weigh on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam just came off a of COVID protocol. Don't know if he's really starting to feel the effects. I think that and the league is starting to catch up, you know, to what new England is doing. Mm-hmm. And I just think that Cam being in front of all the cameras, all the hype, yep. being all in the videos, during the off season, you know, that to me is anytime they're playing somebody, I think the defense is going to use that as fuel to get at cam. Yes. So I'm just saying, I don't think you can just be all in the videos and, and not feel at least at one point throughout the season, feeling some of the repercussions coming your way. Yeah, uh, because again, defenses are going to use that as fuel. So I, I just think that this may have been just a stinker game. Yeah, but I think it has really humbled uh, Cam. Or let me rephrase that: it may have humbled him. So we'll see what happens. You know, come this next game, and uh, but it looked really ugly. So one other piece of NBA news that happened today, and that is uh, the Miller family; those who actually as ownership of the Utah Jazz franchise and the Vivint Arena actually is selling their franchise and arena to Ryan Smith, who is the Qualtrics founder. And they're selling it for $1.6 billion. Uh, And Smith, Ryan Smith, he is 40 years old, a lifelong Utah resident uh, and jazz fan who built the software company, again, Qualtrics, uh, before it sold for a reported $8 billion in November of 2018. My initial thoughts was, man, that's won a lot of money. But we didn't hear of any type of open opening or any type of sale whatsoever. It just seemed like this was just all based upon relationships. Who you know, I guess those who are in that multi-billion dollar category um, are going to hang out with one another, talk, discuss, and then ultimately sell to each other, building wealth from one family and building wealth to another family for multiple generations. Didn't hear about any reported reportings of the Utah Jazz even being up for sale. Nope. This, this is obviously completely different than what we have seen before Uh, with NBA teams and even baseball teams. Same thing with the New York Mets. They had an open or open bid. You had uh, Jennifer Lopez and Alice Rodriguez, the the couple there, vying to become owners of a franchise, that being the New York Mets. So this is just something that just, boom, just happened. This came on a news feed, didn't hear anything (laughs) uh, about it. And 
But this goes back to our earlier podcast about Kyrie Irving making a comment about possibly forming your own league. Now, again, I, I, I mentioned that Kyrie may not be wrong. It's just coming from Kyrie. I think that was the issue. It was just coming from Kyrie, but he may not have been that far off. I don't know anybody else who would have that opportunity to just talk to somebody and just say, okay, you know what? I got 1.6 billion in the bank. Let's go ahead and, you know, go ahead and and do this transaction. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of ball players, former ball players who have tried to vie for becoming league or franchise owners for this, this to automatically happen. This is a wealth building opportunity. And it would have been great just to kind of see at least the competition who, who would rise to the occasion to purchase the Utah jazz and the arena. That's real estate. Yes, exactly. Ryan Smith is going to do some things with that real estate. Just surprising news. Again, Kyrie Irving May not be too far off. It was just coming from Kyrie. These type of things should you would think would be open, an open bid. We've seen that with every other franchise, more or less. And like you said, it makes you say, hmm, kind of thing. Where mm-hmm. what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And we have to do look into this just to see if anyone else was aware of this, or is this something that just kind of went under the underneath the radar? Totally caught off guard, but at the same time, it doesn't surprise me. Let me let me ask you this, ma'am. If it was an opening bid, mm-hmm. do you feel that there would have been a huge or at least a couple of minority bids for a franchise in Utah? I think if the price is right and you pull the resources together, who's to say that franchise can have sold for more than that? The Clippers sold for two billion. And Utah is the only show in town, the Utah Jazz. And the real estate and the arena mm-hmm. and every everything that surrounds the Utah Jazz, in my in my opinion, I think it's something that people got shortchanged because you don't location from my standpoint doesn't even matter. If you have an opportunity there where, like I said, you have the resources, you can fund it, make the transaction, it can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's a great opportunity to have a franchise that sold for 1.6 billion. Yeah. And like I said, the Clippers just sold for $2 billion, what was that, 2014? So that's, what, seven years ago? But it was one of these handshake deals, it appears that way, allegedly. It didn't, it didn't even have an opportunity for anyone to even try. That's the sad part about it, I think. Mm-hmm. It's kind of unfortunate, man. It really is. You have a lot of players. You have a lot of people who are looking for opportunities like this. Mm-hmm. And what this is really saying almost is like, if you don't have any type of connection whatsoever, you're almost never going to really get that opportunity. And that's the sad part about it. So our world series thoughts uh, as the LA Dodgers Last night wins the World Series, and congratulations to the L.A. Dodgers organization, to the fans, and this was a, an interesting series. Uh, I watched last night's game, and to the life of me, I do not understand why in the world they pulled Snell out of the game, who was pitching a phenomenal game. 
the LA Dodgers lineup was just straight missing the ball. And I understand analytics with baseball. You definitely need to use analytics, but you have to use your gut and use your eyes too, man. And what I saw out of snail pitching for the Tampa Bay Rays, man, I I think I would have gone with him uh, maybe at least another batter or two. And if he got in trouble, then you pull him. But, man, he was pitching a gem yes, he for was. the Tampa Bay Rays. And I just think that the changing of the uh, pitchers there was honestly to the Tampa Bay Rays uh, detriment. So congratulations to the L.A. Dodgers. This series was very interesting. Danny, what say you? Jason, this was one of the more entertaining World Series I've watched in a while because the Rays didn't quit, man. And the game on Saturday, which we talked about, where the whole sequence at the end of the game where the Rays were losing and then the guy hits the, the ball out to center field, center field bobbles at Taylor. He throws it in. The run, the base runner's coming in. He pretty much does a front flip, round and third. He's dead to rights at home. Ball gets past the catcher. Tampa Bay wins. Kudos to the Rays. I second, man, this is where old schoolers like you and I for analytics, where it was more, like you said, the gut feel. What mm-hmm. does the pitcher look like? Mm-hmm. Does he have command? Mm-hmm. And this is where analytics can get you in trouble. I know the Rays, this has been their thing all year. They follow mm-hmm. the analytics. So do the Dodgers and m- many other teams as well. But then you get to a point where you come this far it's like you said, Snell, he had he had Betts, Betts struck out twice. Yeah. And Betts was shaking his head going back to the uh dugout. He had the he had the Dodgers on tilt. Yep. And when they pulled him and the reliever came in, I felt so sorry for the reliever because they jumped all over him. Mm-hmm. And so that was it. But also want to say congratulations to Dave Roberts. I know he's been on the hot seat for a minute. Yes. So kudos to him to get at least cool down that hot seat to like a warm seat going into the next season. Kershaw getting his first ring. Like I said, it was a very entertaining World Series, and some of the ones in the past have been good, but this one for some reason had a different feel to it. Congratulations to the L.A. Dodgers for their first World Series since 1988. So with that, we have a very interesting trading card scenario this evening. What do we have, Danny? In honor of the World Series and a participant in the World Series, we have Mookie Betts 2014 Tops Rookie Card for Kirby Puckett's 1985 Tops Rookie Card. So a couple quick bios. Mookie Betts, his 2014 Rookie Card was with the Red Sox. As you know, he got traded in the offseason to the Dodgers. He's been in the league seven years. He has an MVP, two World Series, a batting title, four gold gloves, four all-star games, and three silver sluggers. So he has some credentials. Mm -hmm. Kirby Puckett played 12 years, two World Series, batting title, 10-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, six-time gold glover. Kirby, during his career, was 318, 207 home runs, almost 1,100 RBIs, 2,300 hits. Betts batted 301, 155 home runs, 500 RBIs, sorry, and 1,000 hits. Both of them are outfielders. So Jason, sitting on the back porch, which card are you taking? Look, man, I've been looking forward to this conversation since we talked about uh, doing this, man. For the fans, let me just say, when I first got into trading cards, uh, in particular baseball cards, 
I remember going into Flatiron Mall and in my mind, I was trying to figure out who would I really gravitate towards in baseball. And so I gravitated towards Kirby Puckett because this brother was one of minority and he actually has some great numbers. After doing more research and the more I watched him on TV, because back then the Milwaukee Brewers were actually in the American League and the Minnesota Twins were actually in their division, I would watch the Brewers and Twins go at it. I always liked Kirby Puckett because he was always consistent. It was just, he was just an awesome player. And so I've been going back and forth on this man, uh, quite honestly, because Mookie Betts had a very intriguing World Series this year. Even last night, he hits a home run. He scores in another play. He scores a run. Defensively, he, he's been awesome. It started to become clearer for me, Danny, uh, as I looked at the numbers. As I looked at the numbers, we're looking at batting averages throughout the course of one's career. There's only four times in his career and where he batted below 300. And that, to me, is a model of consistency. Uh, Mookie Betts, currently right now, he has batted below 300 five times already in his career. Longer career by Kirby, only batted below 300 four times. Mookie, with a seven-year career, has batted below 300 five times already. I also looked at Mookie's, his credentials. He has a very impressive resume here, uh, especially when he became MVP, okay? In his MVP run, the second person behind him was Mike Trout. Mookie, when he won the MVP, batted 346. Yeah, he had a great year that year. But then I go over to Kirby Puckett's credentials and really the batting averages here. I looked at Kirby, one of, one of Kirby's highest batting averages, well, the highest batting average of his career was 356, 356. And he was third in the MVP voting. I went ahead and looked at, okay, who came ahead of Kirby that year? Mike Greenwell was ranked number two. He only had a 325, I can't say only, but he had a 325 batting average, okay? And who was number one? Jose Canseco. 40 <laughs> 40 club. Man, this is the same Jose Canseco <laughs> that admitted that he took steroids. I looked at that and I was like, man, I, I think Kirby got robbed. I also thought about with Kirby, Kirby and the Minnesota Twins. And what I mean by that is when you think about the Minnesota Twins, how many times do you feel that the Minnesota Twins won the World Series? Twice. They won two times. Okay, when you think about the L.A. Dodgers, how many times did the L.A. Dodgers win the World Series? Maybe six. Yep. You're right. You're right. Oh, LA, really? The LA Dodgers won the World Series six times. Okay. Now, how many World Series rings does Kirby Puckett have? Two. And he got two of the two World Series championship <laughs> rings for Minnesota. So he, here's, the, here's what I'm getting at, Danny. You have Mookie Betts, who just got to LA, signed this huge contract, and he got traded from Boston, where he won a World Series. But Boston has won a World Series prior to Mookie being on a team in his history. 
And then you have Kirby Puckett and where the Minnesota Twins, as the Minnesota Twins, they never have won a World Series. So I thought even more, okay, with Kirby Puckett. Now, when the Twins won the World Series, both times, they went to game seven yes. to seal the deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember this as a kid because I remember watching it primarily in the 91 series when the Minnesota Twins played the Atlanta Braves. I remember looking at that game. It was game six. And fans, you can go out to YouTube and look <laughs> at the highlights of game six of the 91 World Series game. That was a hell of a game, man. Hell who, could, who could forget, though, Kirby Puckett saving the game in two different ways as a center fielder catching the ball, mm-hmm. catching a home run or really a potential home run or even uh, extra base hit. I believe it was Ryan Gant who hit the ball center field. Kirby Puckett goes back against the plexiglass and catches the ball. Yep. But that was not the only play of the game. In order to send this game to game seven, Kirby Puckett walks off, hits a homer and walks off to send the game to game seven. Let let me just say a a couple other things here about Kirby. Okay. And then we'll go back to Mookie for a minute. I'm sorry. This is taking long, but Kirby's my favorite player. Uh, And rest (laughs) in peace to Kirby Puckett. Yes, definitely. uh, uh, But I've got, I got to say this, man. In the World Series in 91, Kirby's batting average was 250, but you have to remember that was a defensive battle. That was a huge defensive battle. And let's think about the Atlanta Braves pitching in 91. Steve Avery, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, Mike Stanton. I mean, and others, they had a relatively awesome pitching crew and bullpen. That was the Atlanta Braves. And that's exactly what the Minnesota Twins had to face. And those games were very low scoring, so the tension was high. But I would also say, though, in 1987, mm-hmm. in the World Series, Kirby, Batten, Kirby Puckett's batting average was 357. So he was a straight ball. And if you go out and see the highlights on YouTube of Kirby Puckett's World Series runs, you'll see hit after hit. He was just knocking the ball around. I, I was like, I have to compare that with Mookie Betts. And with Mookie Betts, his batting average it was you know relatively okay uh not as high as Kirby's but when he was with Boston his his batting average was 217 when they won the World Series this year it looks to be around 269 so either way it wasn't above 300 at any point but then his impact really in a game and changing the game his speed all that defensive play uh, he made running catches throughout the series. It was a, a game changer. So here's the question I have for you, Danny. And, yes. and I'm still trying to decide here. I have a feeling I know who I'm going with. But let me ask you this. Yep. Do you want to build from the ground up or be a key piece in a renovation? Build from the ground up. If you want to build from the ground up, then you are going to take Kirby Puckett. And here's the reason why. Mm-hmm. Everything that I just said with regards to Minnesota Twins, known as the Minnesota Twins, only have two World Series rings. Kirby Puckett built that up to have two championship rings. He was an integral part. He built that franchise up. Yep. Mookie Betts 
is a renovational type piece. He came, he got traded from Boston to LA. LA has made it to the World Series unsuccessfully. Did haven't gotten any rings until last night. A key piece one can argue is that of Mookie Betts, who was a renovational type piece. But if you like to build from the ground up, much like I do, Kirby Puckett in this particular situation would be the pick. So therefore, I am going to take and rest in peace, Kirby Puckett, who would have had a longer career if it hadn't been for glaucoma. Yep. And nonetheless, he still got in the Hall of Fame. But I'm taking Kirby Puckett. Who you got, Danny? Something we have to take into consideration, too, with the numbers. So this is where it gets a little strange with comparing eras. Because if you remember in the 80s, 90s, it was more hitting for average. But once launch angle got introduced to the game, it's either home run or bust. It's either home run or strikeout. Seeing where Mookie Betts may not be batting as high as Kirby, Kirby was going up there just to get get somebody get on base or knock somebody in, just the grassroots of the game. Mm-hmm. The game has changed now from a batting perspective where I need to hit a home run because of analytics. Even when they do these shifts, cats could just bunt and get on base, but they don't. So I just want to call that out from a number standpoint and how comparing eras is different from now versus when we were coming up because just based on how the game was played, they both have great resumes. I was looking at the cards themselves, the physical cards. And I remember that Kirby Puckett card with the light blue twins on it (laughs) with the black border, his rookie Mm -hmm. card. Mm -hmm. It's Kirby all day from that standpoint. He's, I think, the better player. All the things, all the accolades you mentioned, Hall of Famer, how he did it. I think if we were to re- – I would love to see this where Mookie bets tra- his trajectory mm-hmm. now from mm-hmm. here on out. I think his numbers are going to be impacted just on how the game is played where I think I want Kirby Puckett's card in this scenario just because you meant, you hit on all the points, the way he played the game. The impact to the city of Minneapolis, St. Paul, coming up with the franchise, taking them all the way. And I would love to have Mookie Betts as well. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I w- so that's why I was torn on this one because I'm like, the value, Mookie Betts has more value. And in these scenarios, I'm usually the one saying, give me the car with the most value. And right now, Mookie Betts is going to be on fire because he just won the World Series. Right, right. But long term, I want that Kirby Puckett card. It was, I mean, it's razor thin because I started thinking about the value of the card, and that's where I want to revert back to in this trading scenario. But it was something about Kirby. And like you said, when we went, used to go back to the car shows and the car shop, I got that you make those individual pages of the cards of the, the players and just look at those Kirby puckets. I think he was one that wasn't valued appropriately. I agree. It still is not valued appropriately. Not, I agree. I agree. Because when we came up, man, his cars weren't worth that much. Mm-mm. And he used to baffle me. I'm, I'm like, what else can he do I to mean, get the value of some of these other players? Like you mentioned, Conseco. Mm-hmm. But Kirby was in a smaller market, and he wasn't a flashy player. He just went out. He was like a Tony Gwynn. I always think of Tony Gwynn when I think of Kirby Puckett. He just went out and did his job, man. Went out there, did the thing, performed when the lights were the brightest, and mm-hmm. – that was a result of 
what he had two two rings. So, mm-hmm. like I said, it was tough. This is a, this is a hard one, man. You hit on a lot of stuff I was gonna hit on, so I don't need to repeat it. But both great players, but Kirby was on a different level, man. So let me ask you this: Now that yeah. we've decided, Mookie Betts, yes, is he a Hall of Famer? He's on his way. Yeah. I think personally, I, I think so too. I think he, so too. His defense is off the charts, man. How many mm-hmm. home runs did he rob in this playoff? Yeah, run? exactly, exactly. In the plays he made, his speed, mm-hmm. clutch hitting, mm-hmm. and two franchises now with two different two rings. Yep. Not not only two franchises, but two premier franchises. Exactly, and all the pressure on him in all the, the no series. Again, congratulations to the Dodgers, but man, I am and congratulations to Mookie Betts, but I am definitely taking Kirby Puckett on this. <laughs> Same here. All right. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.